think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 380 of Low Limit Football on this 18th of February, 2023. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight we have breaking tragic news that former Newcastle and Ghanaian national team member Christian Atsu has lost his life, a victim of the tragic earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone involved in this awful human tragedy. The Premier League title race gets even tighter as Arsenal drop points to their immediate challenger, Manchester City. Is this the beginning of the collapse? And the Champions League returns with the round of 16 matches. We'll discuss the results so far and what is coming up with our very special guest, the South American journalist, the great himself, Mr. Tim Vickery, who'll be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. What's going on, my man? Good, Joe. I'm good. Obviously, you know, you know, it's sad to start off today with the news of the death of Christian Atsu, you know, someone so young at the age of 31 who, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you know Joe, but I had the chance of seeing him live when he played for Newcastle a couple of years ago. And, you know, he was such a good player, but from all accounts and like looking at some of the tributes that people who have seen him play at Newcastle, Chelsea, even in Turkey, he's also someone that is very much well-remembered for his humanitarian work, especially in his native country of Ghana. So... Obviously, our thoughts and prayers go to him, his family, and obviously to the people who have been affected by this. But other than that, no, I'm doing well, Joe, very well. To um, speak to you during a week where the Champions League is back, obviously we had some results in the last few days of the round of 16. We've got some more matches that we'll be looking at next week. And yeah, I think setting the stage for, you know, I mean, it's we're right around this path where, you know, teams are starting to wrap up titles. I think we kind of really set it for Italy Still not yet for any of the other leagues, even though there is one team in England that are trying to make it difficult for us to not choose a favorite. But other than that, yeah, it's it's been exciting to see so much uh, action and drama all across Europe in in the world of football. Absolutely, you know, and and obviously with the condensed schedule, the, we're still feeling the after effects of the of the 2022 World Cup where things are getting crammed in. But now we're going to get into 
kind of a, a, a speedy situation with the, you know, the Continental Championships going on, um, you know, league championships, you get the FA Cup, Coppa Italia, you know, so on and so forth. We're going to get Champions League, Europa League, um, some big matches in the Europa League as well coming up, you know, that we've seen this week with uh, Manchester United and Barcelona. An exciting finish to that one, and uh, you know, just a lot of a lot of midweek football that's coming up, a lot of weekend football, and uh, just uh, the, the crazy schedule continues, and there won't be any relief in sight until uh, sometime in June, let's say. So, my friend, you uh, are blessed with the honors of trivia tonight. So, if you wouldn't mind laying it on us, let's go for it. Well, it's funny that you didn't mention Europa League because you know we obviously saw someone like Marcus Rashford go on the score sheet again. For Manchester United becoming one of their best players, I would say, uh, this season and maybe all across Europe, just on the based on form. But ever since he pl- ever since he came back to the World Cup, he played 16 games um, since returning from the World Cup for England. How many goals has he scored in them? Oh, I, 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 I thought I saw something about this. I'm gonna get. I have a number. I will give it to you um, at the end of the show. Uh, I, I'm I, boy. This is it's something that. I saw like in a moment, so hopefully I'll be able to remember this and uh, and, and give you the answer as soon as uh, as soon as we're done with the show. Let's get into opening thoughts, my friend. And opening thoughts, obviously, we're going to be Champions League heavy. Uh, unfortunately, the way our schedules have worked out, we haven't had much opportunity to spend a lot of time on the Champions League. And then, you know, like we said, with the condensed schedule, it just came out of nowhere and, and, and just ran right up on us. So we've already had four matches in the Champions League uh, so far this uh you know this round of sixteen that we've seen so far. The the first ones, and I'll give you the the scores going up. Uh, they're all you know very straightforward results, except for Benfica two nil over Club Rouge. We had uh, three one nil um, results here. Dortmund one nil at home over Chelsea. AC Milan one uh, nil at home over Tottenham Hotspur. And Bayern Munich the lone road winner in a one uh, nil victory over. Paris Saint-Germain, a 10-man Bayern Munich, by the way, uh, with a red card in that one. Uh, you know, I want to leave some of the PSG Bayern stuff with with Tim once we have him on in a few minutes. So I'm going to run over to AC Milan, uh, which was the first match on Tuesday, and uh, and look at that 1-0. It was a Brahim Diaz goal uh, early on in the match. We... Uh, Tottenham Hotspur missing Antonio Conte on the bench uh, with, uh, I believe, he had some uh, surgery at in Italy, and he's going to remain there for a little bit longer. Um, Milan, you know, in, in league was was kind of on a on a on a sketchy run of form recently. So for them to go and defend one nil at home at the San Siro, I mean, obviously it's a home match, but Spurs I think had been playing pretty well. This to me, and, and I'm I'm assuming to you as well, was a bit of a shocker. Uh, you know, I think you and I expected Spurs to pull out at minimum a draw here, if not a Spurs victory. What were your thoughts on this particular matchup? Yeah, it was a very interesting matchup. I think this. Say shocker would probably be a bit harsh on on AC Milan because I think they did play a, a really good game that maybe for Stefano Pioli they wanted to set it up in the way that they wanted. Mm. Having said that, I think yeah, when you look at kind of the advantages that um, Tottenham had in relation to AC Milan, like obviously they've had more players that are more fit. And, you know, I think the the amount of injuries do get up to a team in terms of how you perform, and, and you didn't see the best Milan side, you didn't, and, but at least on paper. But you saw it in action in the 90 minutes. So, you know, I, I think from what we've seen, it's it's been quite a an interesting tie that now sets it up to go back to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that, you know, you you can look at what players like Harry Kane and and um, um, and Song need to step up. I think 
they're the ones that are really the, the, the main linchpins of the side that they want to attack. Kuliszewski is obviously an important player as well. But they know they'd have to do it quickly because they know that Milan, like, you know, they, they can take advantage of that 1-0 lead and, you know, try to close it off as much as they can. You know, they could try to defend it as good as they can be. I mean, yeah, both sides really have poor defensive records, but, you know, you, you would think that, you know, in this course of 90 minutes that um, Tottenham can be able to score. And I still see them as as the team to advance, personally. Um, I, I still do. I just think, you know, they're at home. You know, the, the, I'm not a big fan of home field advantage because, you know, I think games like these are always open. But having said that, I think playing at home does give you a sort of a, a motivation. And so I think, yeah, for me, I still think Tottenham are favorites to advance, as crazy as it may sound. Uh, I don't know what you feel about that. Well, I mean, but that's just how I certainly I, see it. I don't think I don't think it's as clear cut as you're as you're giving it. Um, I think that you know, obviously, like I said, Milan have been in a poor run of form for uh, in league. They've kind of fallen off the boil, and and people are starting to point fingers at Stefano Pioli and, and what he's doing there. So I think this is this is the kind of result that can then buoy a team, you know. And they got that goal. Like I said, it was like a a thirty minute thirtieth minute goal by uh, Brahim Diaz. It's a kind of result that can buoy a team, you know, and kind of raise them up a little bit, especially knowing that they have that goal in their back pocket going to White Hart Lane uh, for the second leg uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. I, I don't think it's as cut and dry. Um and I, and I do think Milan can score on the road as well. So, you know, we haven't seen the best of Rafael Leao uh, in the past few weeks, I, I, at least I don't think. So he's the kind of guy that if he gets going, I think he's going to really affect a, a match. Again, can they defend? Uh, can they defend Harry Kane? Can they defend Youngman Song? Can they, um, can they keep... Tottenham Hotspur off the board. That's going to be the big question. We we know they have that goal in their pocket. Um, and again, road goals don't count anymore. So, you know, getting a goal uh, at White Hart Lane is only going to just give them the 2-0 uh, lead, and, and that's still a vulnerable uh, position for them. So I don't think it's as cut and dry. I do think ultimately if Spurs can get rolling, I, th- I, think, uh, I think they should win this. But it's uh, it's going to be close. This is going to be one of the more interesting ones to watch, especially given the fact that uh, that Milan have that goal in their back pocket and can uh, and can certainly defend strong in the midfield. You know, Semon Care they're they're looking to get him moving back to pre injury levels, and and I think uh, if they can do that, there's they're going to stand a good chance to uh, to possibly advance. This one's a, a very big toss up for me. So, the other matchup. And I know we're going to get into this one with Tim Vickery in just a little bit. Is the uh, the one nil victory for uh, Bayern Munich over PSG? You know, a lackluster Neymar in this one. Kylian Mbappe comes off the bench um, and really just added a massive, massive spark uh, in the fifty seventh minute. A good on Julian Nagelsmann as well to um, to make a change. Notice that Joel Cancelo wasn't working in this one in the first half. Immediately goes to Alfonso Davies, uh, leading directly to the Kingsley Coman goal in the 53rd minute. This is, you know, you wonder if PSG, I mean, I, I know PSG has the power to be able to come back, but are they going to be able to do it against a, a seasoned back line, if you think about it, of Dio Pamecano and uh, Matthias De Ligt? We've seen them constantly perform in this competition. They've in Germany, in Italy, in you know, in in the Netherlands. These are certainly seasoned veterans, even though they're they're in their early twenties. Are, are do PSG have enough here, or is there just a little too much um, old 
a little too much old Messi, a little too much old Marquinhos. They, you know, they've got Sergio Ramos playing in this one as well. And although those players are all extremely, extremely experienced, is this maybe a bridge too far going to uh, Munich for the second leg? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you would think that on paper, but again, you know, this is where you'd think that on paper PSG would look better because of the the aspects. Now, look, I think you didn't see a fully fit Messi or a fully fit Mbappe. That being said, you know, I think with the players that you have, you should have enough to beat Bayern Munich. It was a tough tie at the beginning. It was always a toss-up. I think if they can snatch an early goal early in Munich, and they've done this before. This isn't something that they've, you know, encountered previously that they've never done. You know, they've gotten results in, in, in Germany and away from home in general in the Champions League. So it's in their it's in their DNA to do that. But I think you know the crucial part is to getting the goal first early, and I think from there on, it's all about where to go from there. I think certainly they want to make it as easy as they can to try to secure the game as much as they could. They definitely have the capability of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough, man. I really can't I, I can't go. It's it's still open. Like you, you'd think that with Bayern taking that lead in Paris, they'd be like, Yep, done and dusted, they're back in Munich, but I I don't know. I think this like this PSG side has something in them that they could probably do it. I could be wrong, I could be completely wrong, and Bayern could just roll past them, but I'm not counting any of these teams out as of yet. It's it's still open for me. I would agree with that statement on on all uh, on all fronts. Um, you can't count any of the one nil uh, draws down. I, I do think the Benfica one is done. I think Bruges has, you know, for all the good that they did in the um, in the group stages, I think Benfica is just really, really playing well. I think they've only lost one match all season. Um, you know, so I, I you know, with that one, I know we're going to kind of quote unquote leave that one alone a little bit because I think that one's done and dusted. But these one nil matchups, they're all uh, up for grabs as well. The the last yeah, one, even yeah, even Dortmund Chelsea that's still open as well. Yeah, and I was just going to go to that one because uh, you know this one I think is the most open. I you know it's it's really strange. Chelsea with all the acquisitions, with all the players they've brought in, they haven't brought in a goal scorer. Do you know what I mean? It's just there's you think about somebody that could have just really just taken a turn and put the ball in the back of the net. You almost think, you know, God forbid me saying this, like a Mauro Icardi, right? A guy that needs two three touches and he'll score two goals that that kind of player they don't really have that kind of player they've got plenty of creativity um but they're missing that that final that 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 final killer ball that dagger ball that uh that that i think a team like this needs so going down one nil uh at dortmund and then coming back to uh, stanford bridge for the second match uh, this is going to be a difficult one, but again, a, a, an even side, certainly a Chelsea side that if they do find their scoring boots, will definitely uh, you know run over a, a younger Dortmund side. What are your thoughts on Chelsea? I mean, can they get out of this funk? I think they can. I really think they can. I think, yeah, like you said, I think having a goal scorer for them is is always an issue, and you're not seeing that from a like seven up on a Yang, a Kai Havertz, Enzo Fernandez. I mean, yeah, he's not a goal scorer, but the fact that he came close to scoring shows that Chelsea needs something. Joao Felix. He needs to step it up, and you know, you know, I think he can be someone that could be useful. But I think if they can stop the likes of Bellingham and, and you know, the likes of uh, Aliemi as well, and then many other creative players, Giorena, Makoko, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so many others, I think they they have a chance to to Sebastian Holler. You know, I think they have a chance. So for me, I still think Chelsea are the favorites in this one to get out. But again, very very difficult task. Regardless, Definitely. not counting any of these teams out either. Definitely. Let's um let, let's hold our discussion and get our guest in here right away. 
And joining us now on Low Limit Football, South American journalist Tim Vickery. Tim, welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on with us. We've just been discussing the Champions League, and I wanted to go back to the PSG-Bayern Munich matchup because in this matchup, many uh, consider Neymar's performance to be subpar or unspectacular, let's say, or not Neymar's level of play. And some have suggested that Christophe Gauthier should probably look at benching uh, Neymar going into the second leg against Bayern Munich. What are your thoughts on benching uh, such a prolific player uh, and somebody can change a game like Neymar? Yeah, it's a big decision, although you have 90 minutes and who knows, maybe even 120 to uh, to win the game. Um, so even if a player is on the bench, that doesn't mean he's not important to your game strategy. But in, in the case of, of Paris Saint-Germain, I think it, it's such a great illustration of how your strong point can also be your weak point. And that applies so often in, in life. And uh, even with the three up top firing on all cylinders, the strong point of PSG is the three up front and the weak point of, the PS- of, of PSG is the three up front because it makes it difficult to, to balance out the side. Uh, against a team like Bayern Munich, when you, you, you really can't afford passengers, it is, it is difficult, I think, to, to play the three up top, especially if they're not firing on all, all cylinders. Uh, and I, I really don't think it's in any way a surprise that Neymar isn't playing his best football at the moment. I think we knew this season that the World Cup was going to have a huge effect on club form. Uh, and it was Neymar's big World Cup. And not, not really, not, not his own fault when he scored a, he scored a quite magnificent goal that looked as if it was going to be enough to take them. Uh, past Croatia and into the semi-finals, but it didn't work out. Uh, and it, it's obvious, I think, that you're going to get a, a mini a mini depression after that. Um, so it's now a case of of man management from PSG. How are you going to get the best out out of him? Now your back is against the wall, and you really you really need him. Uh, can you balance out the side with the three of them? If not, can you leave him on the bench and still make him feel important, as if he is going to be the the one who helps them to to to, to turn this tie around. So uh, that's why Gautier gets paid much more than we do for taking those decisions. Now, it's interesting that we wanted to speak about Neymar in this case, because certainly what we also saw over the last few days had been some rumors of him possibly linking up to uh, Todd Bowley's paycheck and to Chelsea to go into the Premier League. I mean, you know, certainly, like you said, he is 31. He's not exactly a player that is obviously a youngster anymore, as we've always yeah. characterized him for so many years, which is crazy to for me to see and for everyone else who's followed his career. But do you think a move to the Premier League or even to this Chelsea side where so many changes are being made would be something that would be useful for, for his career now at the later stages of his of his career? It's not a natural fit for him, is it, the Premier League? Uh, it would be would be absolutely fascinating. And I think sometimes we, we forget that underneath all this is, is, a, is a wonderfully talented footballer. Uh, who had sustained himself at the top level for for a long, long time. So this isn't a dilettante, as he's some, sometimes painted. But you've never really seen the Premier League as a as a natural fit for him, and especially at this stage in his career, uh, it would be uh, it would be a fascinating challenge. Absolutely, but there is one player that Chelsea did get that we've kind of all been impressed of what we saw at the World Cup, and even before that. At likes of Benfica and River Plate, and I'm talking about Enzo Fernandez, the uh, the new signing, the British record transfer fee signing. Um, obviously, has come into the Chelsea side, and you know they haven't been able to win as of yet at the time of recording. But 
he was able to to impress in the game against West Ham, where he assisted the goal for Joao Felix against in, in the one one draw. But how have you assessed his, I guess, his start to Premier League football? And is this something that you know, with all the talk about the transfer fee and you know all this kind of pressure towards him, do you think that he could live it up uh, over, over there in at Chelsea? Well, the one thing that we've really seen from him all the way through, uh, Defensa Justicia, River Plate, Benfica, Argentina, and even the first couple of games against Chelsea, is that he doesn't seem to be overawed by anything. He uh, strong character, likes the responsibility, thrives on, on the responsibility. So I, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Uh, I do think it's, and I'm not criticising the transfer or anything at all, I, I just think it, it's extraordinary that central midfielders are now going for this kind of money. You know, the, 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 big, uh, the big transfer fees have usually been paid for, for strikers and occasionally for a centre-back, you know, people who are, who are going to have a decisive influence in, in the penalty areas. And Enzo Fernandes, he gives you the structure of the team between the penalty areas and he can get in, 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 into the areas and score a goal, but that's not, that, that's not his primary mission. He's, a, he's someone who, who provides the backbone to a team through the middle so uh, it is astonishing and this isn't a criticism in any way that uh, uh, football is now looking to value uh, to, to put so, so much value on central midfielders not just him or in the amount of money that uh, Moses Caicedo is going to leave Brighton for again extraordinary sums of money for people who um, who are, are, are midfielders so th- that that's the thing that really leaps out for me 100% and switching gears to a young start to even more more younger stars. We did also see the South American U20 Championship come to a close in the last few days, seeing Brazil winning their 12th title. And this is always a tournament that I think for those that maybe are always looking for their brightest chance, maybe want to go on YouTube and like look out some more information about possible future players. Uh, obviously, we saw Brazil, you know, winning in convincing style. Like I said, 12th title, top goal scorers in Victor Hoque and Andre Santos being the kind of top stars but who have been some of the other players that you've been impressed so far and you know who could indeed get that big money move to europe or, or even in mls here in the united states where it seems that a lot of south american players are starting to, to make the move to yeah first of all i think some some kind of general considerations I mean, this this competition is held every two years but we didn't have one in 21 because of the pandemic so it's been it's been four years um, between the tournaments and you see how things have changed in those four years in that what European clubs are looking for from South American football is adolescence. You know, if, if, if the player reaches 22, that's dangerous. Uh, really, they're looking for 21 max uh, and uh, 18, 19 if, if, if they can, meaning that more and more players from this age group have been sold. Uh, and as it's not a FIFA date, there's no obligation on, on, on clubs to release uh, I think the, the the standard really suffered from this. You know, a number of of teams were severely hampered by not having availability to their best players. I mean, in the case of hosts Colombia, uh, John Duran was was removed from the, the the team in training on the eve of the competition because Aston Villa bought him. Um, but that applied it applied very very much to Ecuador, who've become victims of their own success, you know, who won this competition four years ago, and as a result. Their players are now on the radar screen as as never before, and they've got more abroad, and they couldn't bring them back for for this competition. So that that's the first consideration. The second one is I really think the calendar of this competition needs a rethink. It's too many games, uh, nine games. And um, Brazil played nine in 25, 25 days. Uruguay played nine in twenty two, and you could and that, that's why Brazil won. You know, and Uruguay were on their feet. They, they only needed a draw in the last game. 
Um, the, the, um, Brazil won 2-0, but the goals came in the last 10 minutes. And because and, Uruguay could hardly move. Uh, so physically, it's. I understand actually why clubs don't release. I mean, some of the Brazilian clubs didn't release. Uh, are you going to allow your players to go through a schedule like that? And it was especially grueling because every game was hard fought. Every game. Um, you say Brazil won convincingly. They didn't have an easy win in, in, in the entire. Let, you know, let's let's go through the games in the second round. Uh, they beat Ecuador. Couple of moments from Victor Hockey. He goes off at half time, and after half time, Ecuador are the better side and have chances. Venezuela, uh, Venezuela were a better team in the first half. Brazil sorted it out second half, but only won three 0 with two very late goals. Uh, Paraguay didn't deserve to to lose to Brazil at all, and Paraguay wasted chance after chance after chance. Colombia was a draw with Colombia missing a penalty and then having a player sent off, and, and Brazil weren't superior in that game. And then there's Uruguay, where it, it, um, Uruguay had to play within themselves and were exhausted, but were dangerous and were in it on the on the on the counterattack. So you know, come the these games were all really really disputed. Um, you couldn't take your your foot off the pedal, and by the end of some of the games, you could see that players were were, were really struggling. So I think that the calendar of this competition in the future needs to be looked at. It's too many games packed into to shoot too shorter time. And in the case of, of Victor Hockey, played the Libertadores final last year, so he's hardly unknown. Although he is a phenomenon, you know, he's he's uh, he's young enough to play the next version of this in two years' time. Although I don't think he will. Um, probably the essence of, of the tournament was, uh, and for me, the best player was uh, Luciano Rodriguez of Uruguay, who spent last year in the Uruguayan second division, and now he's on the wish list of clubs like Real Madrid. So that I think is that that's the essence. Of, of the South American Under-20 Championships when you discover someone someone like that. So it, 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 was, a, it was a good competition. It was, a, it was well disputed. Uh, good crop, I think, of goalkeepers and, and of centre-backs as well. Um, perhaps the front players a little bit disappointing, but you know, so many of, 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 of those have, have already been sold. Um, you can never re- really judge, I think, how well the under 20s have gone uh, only kind of a decade later because winning titles i think at this level is is entirely secondary that the key question is how many of these players have you developed for the future of your senior national team so on that one it's far too early to say so tim i want to um i want to bring it back uh, real quick to across the pond to the champions league uh because we've got another crop of matches coming up this week and i'd like your opinion i know many people will point to the liverpool real madrid match as the as the marquee matchup of the of this week's matches but you look at napoli and you look at manchester city these are two teams that at least in my personal opinion are are really poised to possibly win this entire competition that they're both playing so so well right now. What are your thoughts on on those two teams and their their abilities to run all the way to the final and uh and what are your uh, what's your anticipation of uh, Liverpool Real Madrid this week? Yeah, I think Napoli and, and City are probably vying for to be the, the best club on the continent at the moment. So um Liverpool Real is fascinating to me for, for perhaps more parochial reasons because Brazil are looking for a coach uh, and uh, it looks as if they are going to take the plunge and go for a foreign coach, which will be a first and uh, not an easy step to take. 
Uh, and the man that I think they want is is Ancelotti, who I think would be the best choice. Um, for a foreigner coming in to coach Brazil, you're going to have to be a diplomat. And Ancelotti is a is a is a fabulously laid back kind of diplomatic kind of kind of figure, uh, uh, an icon of of tranquil leadership. But he's got a job, Real Madrid, and he's under contract until uh, until the middle of next year. If Real Madrid lose to Liverpool, then that relationship could end earlier. So that that for me is the most interesting thing to see if, if Liverpool can raise their game, eliminate Real Madrid, and then maybe Ancelotti is freed up to take on the Brazil job. The gears of world football continue to turn, and, and we all sit here and watch and wonder. Tim, thank you again for coming on the show and joining us uh, today. Always, always a pleasure to have you on, and we look forward to the next time, my friend. It's my pleasure. Speak to you soon. And special thanks again to Tim Vickery for joining us on the show. Roberto, looking ahead this week, before we get into matches of the week, and, and I know we're going to uh, dive into them pretty quickly. Uh, let's look at the matches coming up this week in the Champions League. I guess we'll kind of have it as a mixed bag because we're going to give our previews for these two matches uh, or these four matches. Let's start off with um, Eintracht Frankfurt Napoli coming up on Tuesday. Again, as Tim alluded to, uh, Napoli and Manchester City right now are vying to be the strongest team, the best teams in Europe, and and tough to find challengers for them at the moment. And these two may cross paths. Anywhere between now and the end of the tournament, um, Eintracht, you know, they're running, um, you know, in the upper echelon of the table in the Bundesliga, a, a very tight race, uh, you know, at the top of that league. But I think Napoli is just going to be way, way too tough. I anticipate Napoli winning this match in Germany and then, you know, obviously taking the second leg and moving forward. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think this is one of the best Napoli sides since Maradona. And, you know, they're running away with the Scudetto. Let's see what they can do when the the big european competition happens which for me i think they are definitely in pole position to become one of the favorites i think they should have no issue going past i track frankfurt in this one yeah they you know for me the the one thing i notice about napoli is that they seem to keep their foot on the throat of their opponents if they get one they want two if they get two they want three and so on and so on and so on we've seen them do it all year long so it's going to be tough to to battle a team that is always looking for that next goal. Another uh, matchup on Tuesday, Liverpool-Real Madrid. And like I said, this is probably going to be the marquee matchup for the week, although I think the dynamic teams are going to be City and, and Napoli. Um, Liverpool really, really struggling this year. Real Madrid, uh, currently, if I remember correctly, and I don't have that up in front of me, but I believe second in uh, in La Liga uh, after, you know, so far, yep. uh, you know, and a surprising, I would say, performance by uh, Barcelona to be at the top of the league. And, you know, as Tim alluded to, Carlo Ancelotti possibly moving on to uh, to Brazil if uh, if things go sour here. But, uh, I, you know, I think that Liver, I'm sorry, that Real Madrid midfield is still even without Casemiro is still incredibly strong. They've got some youth there um, with Chomeni and, and Camavinga. And uh, and I think they still have Thibaut Courtois. They still have Karim Benzema. They still have all those big pieces. Vinny Jr. is is playing is having a great year. Um, I see I see Real Madrid beating Liverpool in this one and moving forward. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, you know, eight points between them and in, in Barcelona for the top two sides in in La Liga. But yeah, I think this side has a lot of pedigree in it. You know, Liverpool have just looked completely a shell of themselves so far. So, yeah, I think for me, it'll be a close one. But I think Real Madrid do go through uh, past Liverpool. And, yeah, questions are going to be have to asked about Jurgen Klopp and what his future remains um, for them, uh, for him and, and 
and for the entire club. Sure. Uh, Let's go over to Wednesday then, um, because City faced Leipzig. Uh, Again, just like Napoli on track Frankfurt, I think the dynamic blue shirts will beat the, you know, the the red shirts from Germany. Uh, It almost matches up exactly the same. And, and, you know, with with the prolific goal scoring between those two sides, you know, I think uh, I think City are going to handily move past Leipzig. What are your thoughts? Yeah, me too. I think, you know, like I said, with the with the sky blue, the 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 the, um, the sides that are really in position to become one of the favorites to win the Champions League, I think you know they should have no difficulties. Which, hell, man, let I me mean, look. If the draw goes goes well, what what um, wouldn't it be cool to have Napoli, Manchester City in the quarterfinal? I mean, I don't know if you wait for this. They're gonna they're gonna heat the yeah. the balls there, but <laughs> hey, I mean, if that happens, oh my god. Yeah, that's going to be a really good match. I got a feeling there's going to be a microwave situation there, and and we won't see that in the quarterfinals. <laughs> you might see it in the semis, but not the quarters. That's for sure. Last matchup uh, on the week is going to be uh, Inter Porto, and this one I think is incredibly difficult to predict uh, for me, strictly because Inter have been so streaky. You know the the Milan Skriniar uh, distraction, and I think it's been a distraction um, has, has really led to you know. Inter just not playing quite as well as you would have expect this Inter side to play. Having said that, uh, you know Lautaro Martinez is certainly playing well there. They've they've um, you know Onana in goal. They've they're certainly very strong midfield wise. I mean this Inter side is certainly capable of dispatching Porto, but it's just it feels like this particular matchup. Simone Inzaghi is under a lot of pressure there in Italy, and and I feel like this could be a slippery slope for this Inter side. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, yeah. This is this is another really interesting one. But um, you would think Inter have. Like, I mean, this is no disrespect to Porto or anything like that. But you think Inter would have enough to to go through. That being said, it's not as as decisive as one would think. I think this is for me. Like out of all the matches that we've seen, even outside of the heavyweights between Liverpool, Real Madrid, and and Bayern, PSG. This is the most tastiest and openest one, one of all of them, really, because it can go either way. Honestly, this is, yeah, this 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 one's gonna be really fun. Actually. Yeah, I almost feel like the Real Madrid Liverpool match. Uh, when you talk about straightforward, I think I almost feel like that matchup is a little more straightforward than this one for some reason. There's something in my gut that says that there could be. Um, you know, like I said, a slippery slope, there could be a, a mess up here. And then, and then the pressure just, you know, exponentially grows on Inzaghi in this one, I think. So, um, going to be interesting to see this week. So let's, um, let's give matches of the week. Uh, you and I have a major, major announcement to make, and then we'll go back to the trivia question and close things out. So like we said on Tuesday, Eintracht Frankfurt, Napoli and Liverpool, Real Madrid, 3 PM in the champions league on Wednesday, Inter Porto and Leipzig city. Uh, 3 p.m. as well. On Thursday, we're going to go look at Nantes and Juve at 12.30 p.m. That's uh, on the heels of a 1-1 draw in Turin, going back to France for the second leg. Can uh, Allegri right the ship here at this point? Because it's it's really looking um, difficult to see that. Uh, you know, just a 
my two seconds on the on that matchup in the first leg that I saw this week. Uh, Juve had every single chance, but not the finishing punch. Uh, Chiesa was very, very unlucky in the second half. He had a shot that hit the crossbar, the post, the line, and bounced out. Um, not necessarily in that order, but it was just one of these ridiculous you know, geometrical freaks. Um, and they couldn't get past Nantes. Um, and, and they really look for a Juventus side that's always tried to pride themselves defensively they looked very very suspect in the back uh the bremer slip leading to the not goal uh you know i think is uh is worrisome so um on thursday also 2-2 draw between these two teams going into the second leg manu and barcelona a barca team like you said eight points ahead in la liga uh but marcus rashford who is our trivia question um certainly you know adding goals this week and and still scoring at a very very high pace everything to play for in manchester on thursday then let's get to Saturday in Germany. We're going to see RB Leipzig come back and play Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, a great fit from uh, from the Tuesday and Wednesday matches in the Champions League. That match in Germany is at 9.30 a.m. And then I think the big match of the weekend is the Madrid Derby. Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, 12.30 p.m. on that one. Let's move to Sunday morning. Spurs and Chelsea are going to face off in the EPL at 8.30 a.m. Then we're going to close with two matches at 2.45 a.m. The first one in um in I'm sorry in France with the big derby between Marseille and PSG at 2:45 p.m. and Milan Atalanta in the Serie A at 2:45 p.m. I could have gone to the Turin derby uh, coming up this weekend as well, but uh, I think there's more on the line with Milan Atalanta than in the other matchup. So, Roberto, let's uh, give our big big announcement. Uh, I, you and I are absolutely excited and over the moon on this one. As uh, we'd like to announce that on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, you and I will be hosting J- will be hosting United States of Soccer with Jason Davis on Sirius XM FC. They've reached out to us. We're going to be guest co-hosts for that one-hour uh, segment. And uh, you know, for me, massive, massive, you know, thanks to everyone at Sirius XM, and. Uh, just just very, very excited for the opportunity. What are your thoughts on uh, the meeting we had this week and the fact that we're going to be on national radio coming up on Wednesday? No, it's huge. It really is. Um, I'm really very happy, and I th- think you are as well. You know, we've worked so hard to, to really get our, get our attention and, and to get our effort really into all of this. Um, and, yeah, I'm super excited and really can't wait for the opportunity series to begin yeah and you know yeah we 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 couldn't do it you know we we wouldn't be in this position unless you know for the great listeners and the great support we've had from from people all over the world over the years so you know definitely thank you and 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 uh looking forward to it also i want to add that if uh you know the the slate is pretty clean you know in terms of what we can talk about on that wednesday so if you want to reach out to us if there's a topic you want us to talk about you can certainly drop us a message on twitter either myself roberto or at the low limit football feed and uh, we'll do our best to discuss that uh that topic with uh with jason and any of the callers and listeners that come in uh during that hour so again Thanks again to the folks at SiriusXM FC. Thanks again to Jason Davis and, and his crew over there at United States of Soccer. And we're over the moon and looking forward to the big opportunity. So, Roberto, you gave us a great trivia question back at the beginning of the show. Why don't you lay it on us again, my friend? Yes, absolutely. Obviously, you know, we were going to talk about Marcus Rashford in this one and really the great form that he's been having uh, for Manchester United, you know, ever since the the start of the World Cup. So, having said that, he's played 16 games since returning from the World Cup. How many of those 
games has he scored in? I think the number is something like 11. Um, if you want to give me an over or under, I'll give you a second guess, but I'm going to go with 11 to start. Over. Yeah, I thought 13. 13 games. 13 games. Yeah. He scored in 13 games of 16. He is on, for the World Cup. He's on a massive run again. He added a game, uh, had a goal, a goal against Barcelona, if I remember correctly, this weekend. And we're going to have to see if mm-hmm. he can do it again in the second leg and, uh, you know, lead Manchester United past uh, Barcelona and through to the Europa League uh, with a gateway back into the Champions League as well. So without anything left on the docket, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. Here we go. So for episode 380 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Tim Vickery for joining us on the show. Next week, we'll recap the second legs, uh, I'm sorry, the first legs of the second round of this uh, round of 16 for Champions League. We'll look at the advancers in the Europa League as well and give you all league action as it comes fast and furious at us. So for episode 380 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.